welcome to Work in Progress. This is Sim. This is Ko. And we are so excited today that we have an amazing, amazing guest with us, Miss Rain, Mrs. Renuka Kriplani. She is the current host and editor of Autocar Show on Times Network and is the executive editor for video content for Autocar India. As part of her job, she test drives and reviews cars for the Indian market. She's a true, true, true trailblazer in the autocar industry. So. We are so excited to have you on. Uh, I'm really excited to be here as well, and always happy to chat on something that is a passionate subject of mine. <laughs> We've probably had the longest bio for any episode, <laughs> and there are a few more things that we wanted to add. Obviously, there are a lot of achievements, and you know we're going to get into all of them. But just to give our guests a little bit of a preview, there's. A lot of rallies that you've, you know, orchestrated across the country and globally. You've worked with the government. You've also been a juror on many awards, like the World Car Award, the Women World Car of the Year, which we really are excited to know more about. Engine of the Year, Interior of the Year. You've also been a partner in Road Tripper, which is a company that you know you give birth to because of your passion. And I think the coolest thing was recently you set the world record for becoming the fastest woman in the world uh, to um, to have a speed of three fifty seven point ten at the Pininfarina with the Pininfarina <laughs> yeah with the Pininfarina Batista at Natrax. But I have to correct you there a bit. It's not. Uh, the fastest woman in the world. There are a lot of women that are faster, but this was the fastest in a production car. Right. Okay. So right. yeah. So um, you know when when there are women who've done nine hundred kilometers an hour, believe it or not. Wow. But those are in purpose built cars right. that's done on the salt flats in Utah, and they're just built to break records and speeds. Oh. But this is a production car that anybody can drive. Yeah. Um, and so that was the fun part of doing it, and, and it was at Natrax in India, right. which is a government built for. Facility, um, something that I think uh, I'm really proud of in our country because, you know, when you think of India, you think of roads. You don't really always think of the best, and this mm-hmm. government facility is, I think, one of the best test facilities I've been to across the world. Um, and I think even the Italians that came in with the Pininfarina Batista were so <laughs> surprised by it. They continued to set a few records extra by <laughs> oh, themselves wow. as well. And and the fact that Mahindra is also associated, right? Absolutely. So it's a company that's owned by Mahindra. So it's. Technically, a Mahindra car we broke the record in. <laughs> yeah, which is uh, fantastic. Yeah. And it was really seeing uh, these things online, and when we came across it, it was re- honestly really inspiring. And like you said, it's an Indian facility that we broke the record in. You broke the record in, so that was also really nice mm. to see. Uh, we saw we were seeing every uh, in your Instagram bio and places that you have uh, spoken at, and something you used to describe yourself as driven. Yeah. So we wanted to know. What is it about cars that you love so much, and where did this passion start? Um, I think this passion probably started because my dad used to build and race uh, cars. He tuned cars. He restored vintage cars, and very often after school, I would be picked up and taken to uh, the garage because mom was busy at work. So <laughs> dad had to pick me up and take me, and then I used to wait at the garage till I was picked up. And then you know, when you're a kid, they just give you something to occupy you. <laughs> yeah. So I would often be given car parts, open this, close that, do this, fit. You know, so. I kind of grew up around it, uh, fidgeted with things, saw the mechanics at work, saw my dad at work, saw cars being built. 
and it always fascinated me um and i think i grew up with that bent of mind that you know opening out things and finding out how they work yeah um so that's been a part of me always like at home i remember my mom used to get hysterical because if the radio broke down i'd open it out <laughs> to fix it and stuff like that wow um i wasn't a pro at first and soon i learned to get better at it and fi- actually fix things uh initially i was just opening them all out <laughs> but yeah so that that bent of mind of just learning about things and and cars was always a passion my dad was always pointing out cars to me he got new cars home so that was kind of where it it began yeah and um as i grew up um, i think a lot of people have heard this story and you guys have probably seen it and read it it wasn't really what my parents wanted me to do so tried my hand at a lot of different things but you know when you have a passion you have a passion yeah. it just doesn't change as you go round and round in circles you come <laughs> right back to it but i was mind blown when i read that you know you went to do your mba you started your own business right with interiors and then you came back and then you bought the car and mm-hmm. then you went for the race like at that age it's 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 incredible yeah so i didn't do the mba i did my commerce at hr college which is when i realized that there was never going to be the mba <laughs> <Yeah>. in my <laughs> life <laughs> because it's not something i enjoy doing i'm not a desk person um i think regardless of what i would have done in life it would have been something that has constant change and yeah. i think that's one of the things i love about this job is that no two days are the same you know it's always different i'm trying something new testing something new going to a different place and i think that's what keeps me motivated even today yeah no for sure and also we were reading uh, and I, i think we were hearing your last talk and one thing that really like kept kept us going and was really fascinating to hear was your first racing car experience so i would love for you to talk about that a bit more okay so um <laughs> it was it was kind of going against my dad's grain i think uh, as you guys have read so um he didn't really want me to rally and race i have no clue why because he did it all his life <laughs> and i grew up watching him but it wasn't something that he was like okay hey you know like i'd be proud if any one of my kids wanted to do it today and unfortunately none of them want to but <laughs> i don't know maybe he had his own perspective or thought it was not so safe or there wasn't really space for it and it's an expensive sport too to yeah. be honest so uh, he wasn't really keen on it and i remember all the boys that i grew up with around the race track when i bought this car off my dad so my dad used to you know at the end of the season they would always sell off their their race cars and uh, by then i had enough money to buy a car i could drive so i thought what better car to own than a race car you know <laughs> so i bought i mean it was nothing fancy it was a fiat that was just done up tuned really well <laughs> and i used to love uh, being at the signal with this very unobtrusive looking fiat and then just take off in yeah. it where you know everybody looking around but um i started off buying the car and all the boys that i kind of grew up with around the race track were like come on now you have the race car you got to do just something do it. with yeah. it so they kind of convinced me to enter that first race in juhu and i was i do not the first about racing i've never been on a track i mean how am i going to do this and they said just do it yeah <laughs> so that's how it really happened and um by then i was already um like kind of you know meeting up with these friends at events and we done some go kart events and stuff like that together so um farah wakil who was another girl who was racing at that point of time had met her at a go kart event she'd become very good friends and we decided to rally together but i was going to navigate for her okay 
so when I bought this race car, she was also there at the race. Of course, everybody supporting me full time, and the boys really prepared me for it. I have to say, one of them even went and borrowed tires from my dad because my dad wasn't giving me anything. Right. You want to do this? Do this on your own. And he went and borrowed tires from my dad because he looked at my tires and said, "Are you going to race on these?" And I hadn't a clue as to why they weren't correct at that point of time. And he told me, no, you need proper new tires that are going to get scrubbed. And he went and got the tires from my dad, put them on my car. And then he told me, you better just win because now I borrowed these from your dad. If you lose, <laughs> I've got to return a set of tires. And they kind of helped me along, prepped uh, me. And uh, there, was, there was the qualifying. So I went out, I did the qualifying. And at that time, I wasn't really nervous because... I said, okay, now I'll just go out and have fun. Yeah. And then I qualified second on the grid. And that's when I started getting really nervous. Now, one would imagine it'd be the reverse, that right. you'd get confidence. But then I got really nervous. Because then I said, shit, now I have something to prove. Prove. Uh, now I've got to do well you know like now I've come so far I can't be second on the grid and then come last yeah. this yeah. is not going to work yeah. You've so that whole night I was like you know the nerves were getting to me and next morning my legs were shaking on that accelerator yeah. I remember the boys at my window and I'm telling them my legs not stopping to shake what do I do what <laughs> do I do he said just go out and drive and one of them told me if anything's bothering you know, turn the rear view mirror so I said that's, and that's exactly what happened because when we started off the race, um, we kind of, the two of us, first and second were neck to neck. The guy third behind us was coming to overtake and I think he just braked too hard and the car rolled. Oh. And I saw that in my rear view, got psyched and then I said, okay, I'm going to listen to the advice, turn that rear view mirror and then I just drove like yeah. a bat out of hell. <laughs> and very soon, so I'm saying this in the exact order that it happened for me. Yeah? So very soon I just saw yellow flags being waved all over. And when yellow flags get waved at you on a track, you just slow down or stop. And then the marshal literally came halfway across the track to stop me. And he's like, ma'am, the race is over. Why are you going round and round? And I'm like, oh, bloody hell. You know, I thought I'd done something really, really wrong. And I was wondering what had happened that the race had got over. I hadn't noticed. I thought maybe they stopped cars and I haven't noticed. I still didn't realize race is over meant the checkered flag had right. gone on because I hadn't seen it. Right. You were in the zone. I was in that zone of driving. And I came off the track in those days in the Juhu circuit. The stands were right there where you came off the track. I remember taking off my helmet because Farah was pulling me out of the car. <laughs> and she's shaking me and she's like, do you know what you just did? And I'm like taking off my helmet. I can hear this in the stands. And you know, then your heart sinks like, oh, what have I done? What have I done? Yeah. And then Farah saying, you won, you idiot, you won. Why are we going round and round the track? It's like, okay, then it sank in, you know. So it was kind of um, a goose flesh moment. I still get goose flesh when I say it because that's when I realized that I'd won the race and I was just so in the zone that I hadn't even realized I'd overtaken the car <laughs> gone ahead of him driven checkered flag had come down I was just still driving and enjoying that experience and, and this was with 18 other boys right yes Which there is... was a feel of 18 men yes <laughs> men because uh, I was a girl at that point yeah. of time um, yeah so it was really really thrilling at that point of time and I think my dad was proud. Um, Nazir Hussain, who used to organize the rallies and was originally my dad's partner and someone who had seen me grow up. I remember him coming and giving me one one of the most massive hugs and being so... And, you know, it was, it was just a great feeling to know that, okay, I went out and did what I really wanted to do and I can do it well. 
and then then started the roller coaster ride of doing well and not so well and then yeah, <laughs> yeah the whole the ups and, and downs <laughs> of life yeah <laughs> but i guess that's what makes you go on right yeah no, for sure i mean i think also once you've had that experience you probably crave it more and more so there's someone asked me just yesterday we were out on a drive and he, uh, rian asked me said do you miss your rallying days and i said strangely at this stage of my life no i'm glad i had those days i'm glad i had all the fun i had i relive it with fabulous memories but if you had to ask me today would i want to go out and do that not really i'm done with it you know yeah. i've kind of, i've i've had that fun i've had that excitement um i still enjoy driving fast cars i still enjoy breaking <laughs> records but no i'm you know i i don't i don't feel the need to go out and enter a rally or a race right, or something yeah. else again i'm sure if there's a race between like journalists or something i'll go out and do it and have fun but yeah. not it's not something that i'm driven to do anymore yeah know? no also you you said that once you won the race something you heard was hi ye to ladki hai and i feel like that's something for women all over india when they're driving even their normal cars that's something that they face and hear all the time do you think that's changed and what has your experience been with that through your journey and your career so like i told you i used to enjoy standing at the signal <laughs> and mostly because i was a girl and the guys that saw me get ahead of them were like you know like anybody would race just to try and match just to you because prove a like point. goal and can't happen and that used to be the way it was i think it's changed quite a lot because in those days not so many women drove cars as well mm-hmm. but i see that's hugely changed you see women on scooties bikes yeah, cars absolutely. you know everybody's driving these yeah. days and i think that's changed and i'm glad that mindset has changed i once gave a talk for the femina women uh, miss india yeah. uh, because they had a go karting round and you know i was asked to speak to all the women and i and i even then i said and even today i say at any women's function be it in the field of motorsport driving wherever it's a mindset that i think we women have in our minds i don't think it's more external anymore i think women are conditioned to think that women are bad drivers you know what i mean i don't think women are bad drivers i think they're safer drivers i think they're far more careful because of this conditioning yeah. and probably have less accidents if there are statistics and there have been a lot of studies on this that have proven that women are safer drivers yeah but honestly i think we need to get rid of that mindset in our own minds i think we need to get rid of that conditioning and on many many levels I, a lot of the times when i'm asked to speak at women's uh, functions i think i'm the sort of uh, person that they want to chuck out of the room <laughs> because i'm not that women's liber kind i think what you feel and what you have within you yeah. will reflect outside um and i think if you have the confidence if you believe in yourself it just doesn't matter whether you're male or female yeah. Yeah. it doesn't matter who you are what your personality is what your gender is what your pronoun is yeah. it really makes no difference because you've got to believe in yourself over and above everything else and if that belief shakes that's when the external things start to affect you and start the chatter will get to you exactly fair enough i was uh, reading i think this must be an earlier interview of yours where you said you hosted I might be wrong a rally or or an event and you, there was a there was a Uber driver from Guwahati and you yes. and you had said that I would not expect her to drive the fastest and she seemed like she had a meek exterior but she just went for it and yeah. I think those things are like absolutely and i feel so happy to have the opportunity to give these kind of women the opportunity to shine yeah you know she was so excited she spoke 
basically only in the local lingo right. she uh, so she was very kind of reserved and um the lady who had helped us organize that event in gohati does some incredible work she actually her passion for driving uh, got her to start training these women who really needed to make income for their households to drive ubers right and that's how she got them to stand on their own feet and become independent and she thought it was a great fun day for her uber drivers <laughs> to come out and do this event and i was really happy that they could yeah and it was a part of that and it was just so nice to see these people come out there have fun really be able to bash cars around and, and drive them to crazy can. and to know that yeah. they can and yeah. they were so good at it yeah so some of them you know that came were really really good at it and it was quite incredible to see that happened amongst you know all the other people that were there yeah that's amazing i think another thing we really like at least personally was super inspired by was reading about the women's world car yeah. of the year so i mean we i don't want to elaborate on it i want to know from you so women's world car of the year is um something that started uh, many many years ago um by a woman called Sandy Mira in uh, New Zealand she kind of decided that all the juries in the world voting on cars had predominantly men so why wasn't there and there were so many women motoring journalists like herself like me even back then we started with a group of i think six of us uh and it was women's world car of the year and we were going to kind of build and today i think we have 50 plus jurors across the world um on women's world car of the year from all the countries across the world so there are so many women motoring journalists um and i think initially people saw this as a women's world car of the year they voting for cars that apply to women no we're women motoring journalists that are voting on a car that we think deserves a title of world car of the year so it's not about a woman's car right. but it's about a car that women motoring journalists are vote, voting on and uh, it's a fantastic group of women i mean there's such an amazing amount of support in that in that group of uh, women and so many of them i hear stories of i recently wrote a piece on it for a for a women's journal and i was asking them to talk and i was surprised as to how many of them face a lot of uh well sexism let's put it that way even in their own countries which we assume to be advanced countries mm-hmm. I, and when a lot of people ask me that question i always say i'm so damn lucky i've yeah. never really faced it in this country my colleagues my peers people i work with today people in the automotive industry um my co journalists co jurors on others i've never really faced this oh hmm. you know boys club and women yeah. kind of thing on the contrary i'm always one of the boys but um i think a lot of them do face this where you know they're just because they're women people don't take their opinions strongly enough or people don't consider them and that's sad and i think sometimes it's like i said it's conditioning it's yeah whatever but you've got to prove yourself i think if you have the confidence that you're again i'm saying that that if you feel you're right and you persist with it i think eventually people see that confidence and people see that you're very sure of what you're saying and and that that kind of comes out. So that's what we talk about a lot on that women's world car of the year. We've done some great things. We started an international women's driving day. Yeah. Um and it's getting recognized. Um so I think yeah, it's just kind of promoting that you know, hey, women drive just as well as men. Women enjoy cars just, just as, as men, much, much as yeah. men do sometimes. Uh and some women enjoy it more than Even some more. men do, <laughs> yeah. you know. So. Yeah. One of the things we were discussing before, you know, we uh like just 
going over mat or what we could talk about. So I work in sort of branding, advertising. She works in PR, so similar. And we obviously auto is one of the biggest spenders and you know on advertisement yeah. exactly yeah. like and it really does shape a lot of perception. So over the years, like a lot of the ads that you see, even specifically people they show in the ads, it's either it's it's. I'd say 90% men, men, but also like sturdiness and, you know, those kind Correct. of qualities. Going up the very hill, male. very male-oriented. But that's changing exactly. a lot. Like, and, and that's one of the big things that Women's World Car of the Year has voiced pushed for, mm-hmm. yeah. and pushed for. Uh, we've also instituted a, a Woman of Worth Award, for, which is for a woman from the automotive industry. Right. And mm-hmm. it may necessarily not be someone who's achieved like maybe a CEO or a motorsport. It could be someone who's working behind the scenes Same. as well. Yeah. So we're trying to do all of that and just get it more and more recognized. But it you're right. Like, I mean, because, you know, it's for, changing. We did this study and it was um, I think earlier it was just a man. Then it became family car. And now it's uh, almost I think with EVs more so it's position for women like you wouldn't the ad. I think whether I think it's a uh, Maruti. Oh, no, it's Mahindra for Mahindra. their EV. They had it positioned as just one, which is amazing to see because for the longest time, it's just been who's the decision maker, you know, Correct. all these biases and stuff come in. And I think that's just like, I feel so happy that it's come to. And it's it's not only that we are like we're at power with what's happening in yeah. the in the world, so yeah. to speak, like in terms of uh, portraying it. So, yeah, I think sometimes... And and I think this change is coming about because if you see a lot of companies have now seen research where um, most car buying decisions are powered by a female at the end of the day. Right. So whether it's the man that decides he wants to go out and buy his sexy sports car and then isn't allowed to because his wife wants something more practical or whether it's... Um, you know, the guy going out and buying an SUV because now he's got a family and, yeah. you know, the wife needs to take the kids to school. A lot of the decisions have a woman involved. Mm-hmm. So not targeting or advertising to the woman is a stupid thing. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. You know, um, <clears throat> in India, car buying is a family decision. Yeah. It's very rarely a single person decision. It is a family decision. You take a lot of things into account. So I think... That's what's changing when research has shown that, you know, you have to target a different kind of audience. Yeah, there is still the guys who want their car to be macho and male and very, you know, yeah. butch. And, and okay, That's it's fine okay. to yeah. have that identity. Yeah. But I think it's also great to break that identity. And expand that and audience. expand. And I think uh, Mahindra does it a lot. Like we do a women's... Uh, um, driving day program with them where you know we go out we take the thar and we get a, just women to come along yeah. in fact when we did that Ford did it with me um, we had a women's advanced driver training program which is where that woman had come in Gohati uh, so a lot of the companies and in fact Ford was one of the companies when they were in India that used to constantly say you know we want inputs on what do women want in cars mm. more and that's one of the questions we asked all the participants mm. that came because it was kind of a research base for them as well and um, I think more and more people are realizing that, you know, yeah, you shouldn't just target one segment of the audience. It doesn't Their make audience is wider. Sense yes. as well. Yeah. Did I have a more technical question on design? Like, do you have, in terms of actual design and production of a car, 
do you think there's a difference in terms of who it's designed for? And also, you know, once just adding to that, there was a study I think that was done in 2019 that showed that uh, the crash test dummies that are put in cars while they are do, uh, getting approval, it's a standard white male built star- so, crash test. So yeah. the woman of worth this year for the Women's World Car of the Year, incidentally, is the woman who invented the female crash test dummy. Oh, okay, <laughs> and that's why she won. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the the thing is, um, yes, design did play, like you said, the crash test dummy. The the design did play uh, for a very long time. I think it was very because there were male designers, there were very yeah. few female designers. But I remember uh, doing a um, behind the scenes sort of uh, value uh, evaluation for a Korean company. And uh, one of their designers was telling me that, do you know? He said, I- I'm going to show you pictures because this is a real secret. Nobody else knows. But we made one of the guys wear a sari and sit in the car. <laughs> so because we wanted to see how easy it was to get in and out of the car in a sari. You know? right. So they are thinking of it differently. They are viewing it differently because the car was being built and designed for India. Of course, the person was in a sari. But uh, so people are looking at it very, very differently. And now seeing the female aspect of of the design as well and what women would like more I just wish someone would find us a great place to put the handbag in a car <laughs> yeah it's just like the nemesis you know like you're sh- struggling between the boot and you flying all over the car yeah. when you're driving like crazy so it needs to evolve beyond the coffee cup and like <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no but it, it was honestly when we were talking about the design aspect and something it never struck me that a crash test dummy would be so important when thinking of whether car is being designed for a woman as well or Correct. like there are differences because that would... it's matter of size as well yeah. right I mean it how your seatbelt sits on you where it fits how yeah. much it can protect you is all about the size weight well. the, yeah. the way that yeah the per, the person is shaped etc so uh, I'm I'm surprised that it took them so, so long, long to, to change that, that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no for sure uh, we want to shift gears a bit and like <laughs> I'm really fascinated with all the adventures you had. Like, I think I've I've just obviously heard few, but I'm sure there's like a lot. Obviously, I know that the border crossing was a a very like life defining moment. But there's a lot. I think you said something in China, like obviously driving from India to Germany. So just tell us some of the ones that have stood stood out to you. Oh, oh gosh, there's so many great <laughs> yeah. moments in life, you know, um, you reach a destination. And that's why I think driving is just the best way to see the world. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. um, you miss so much when you fly to a place. Um, kind of driving there. I remember the first time I did it and I told someone, oh, yeah, I've just driven back from Singapore. And they were like, what? <laughs> yeah, can you even drive back from Singapore? Isn't there an ocean in between? And I was, no, but that was my question. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, I was, but there, you, it's connected by road. And that's exactly why we got the chance to do it because the governments, uh, this, you know, regional governments wanted to highlight that there's road connectivity between all our countries. And uh, it was the most fascinating experience, you know, just being with a different bunch of people from different countries on the road for 30 days. You become like family. Um, you kind of see the, you know, the regional perspectives, how everybody is different. We, we're so similar in certain ways and yet we're so different, so, right. in, you know, mm-hmm. in, in so many ways. And it was it was absolutely fabulous. All the experiences I've had of the governmental events we've done, whether it's SARC, whether it's ASEAN Rally, whether it's BCIM and just meeting the different kind of people. I think, you know, just seeing different cultures and, and, and being on the road with 
people you've probably never met before in yeah. your life is a fantastic experience and something I think everyone should do once in a while because it gets you to go out of your comfort zone. It gets you to do things you never thought you would. And it it expands your mind, I think, in, in very, very different ways because you're then sitting, you're talking to people, you're understanding different perspectives, views across the world. And it's it's quite fascinating. Um, that's one of my standout moments. Um, I think... Um, Lots of fun events. I, I I remember we had during the ASEAN rally. We were running the we were running the second ASEAN rally. We were running the event, and they kind of called me Marshall because every morning I was kind of pushing everybody <laughs> into place and getting everybody to do stuff and doing things. And we had um, he's going to kill me for telling the story, <laughs> but uh, we had this. Um, He's very, very senior in the police force now and with Interpol. But at that time, he was uh, um, heading up a division in the Bhutanese government, uh, which had got him involved in this rally. And uh, we'd met kind of at events before because we had to go for monthly things. So Karma and me kind of knew one another. And he was this very... built tough very strong and he had his team of four in check and they used to come to me every morning and say Marshall please yeah if you start say start is at six he'll wake us up at five to give us a lecture every morning he lectures us and this must be like this that must be like that in shape you better be in the car on time I don't want anybody from my team late so karma was known to be this taskmaster who's always perfect and we you know how I'd met karma was that we, we used to go out for smokes together during these events and one day after or fueling, I was passing by all the cars and I hate litter. I cannot handle people who litter and chuck things out of their cars. If you mm. own a car, you're educated enough to know that you shouldn't be throwing things out of your window. I've often gone, stopped, picked up things and thrown it back into people's cars. People can call me a mad Parsi. I don't care. I love it. But honestly, they need to learn. So... I suddenly walk by and I see this, you know, like someone has dumped an ashtray onto the road. So without thinking, I just opened the door of the car that was with me. I was still looking down and I said, who the bloody hell did this? And I look into Karma's face and, you know, he's like the chief of police and very quietly (laughs) Karma looks at me and he says, sorry, Marshall, I'll pick it up. (laughs) And he just bent down and said, put it in the trash can. And the boys came out. Cracking up after that at the next We just love this from tomorrow morning. He's not going to push us anymore. So there were fun moments like this that I remember and stand out to me. Um, Just the meeting of people and minds across the world. That's been one of the highlights. I I have a question like India specific because you've been doing this for a while. Like how have you seen the like the development sort of change do you think it's you know oh yeah catapulted? i think infrastructure is catapulting in a big way i remember you know i've driven from nepal into india very very often mm-hmm. and about um i would say about 3 or 4 years before covid <clears throat> um i had come back from nepal into india and we were driving towards delhi and i was expecting you know that you come into India and it's like literally shit show and you're, <laughs> mm. you're driving. And then highway, Delhi, Lucknow highway. Oh my gosh. Every like four or five kilometers, there was a spanking clean loose. Something which as a woman, absolutely, I really, really value, you know, when you're when on you're a road trip. Yeah. Those long distances. And they were so well maintained. There was someone in there cleaning them all the yeah. time. The road was brilliant. And I have to say, you know, that... Um, 
Mr. Gadkari is really someone who's done a lot for the infrastructure in this country, and he's on a charge. He's building no, roads like, like and crazy. And I feel like it needs to be said. That's like, because I think we live in cities where sometimes yeah. the infrastructure just unfortunately hasn't been maintained, like yeah. Bom- Mumbai. I mean, honestly, this city should have better infrastructure. Yeah. Um, our roads forever and a day even the newer ones that have been built are just not built up to standard yeah, yeah. there's you know, a pot that, they build it today and there's a pot tomorrow that is exactly the point and I don't think that it's not that they can't do it you look at a road like Palm Beach Road in Vashi it's brilliant and it's yeah. been brilliant for the I don't know how many years it's stayed like that Yeah. so they can do it <coughs> uh, and I think unfortunately people don't realize the value of doing that enough yeah yeah, yeah? I mean uh, <laughs> I sometimes I think votes are got in the wrongest way possible <laughs> as opposed to the right do the right thing people vote for you any which way yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so I think that maybe needs to change a bit and maybe we see those roads and we imagine the rest of the country to be like that but honestly I just drove in Gujarat the roads are beautiful drive in Rajasthan the roads are fantastic yeah um yeah, no, like you said, like when we're driving across the city on a day-to-day yeah. basis and you're <coughs> stuck in traffic and you're hitting every pothole possible, you're just like, I cannot do this for a long distance. But I feel like if you invest a lot now, maybe in the infrastructure of at least Bombay, it'll pay off for years to come. And I feel like, like you said, maybe that needs to be done sooner rather than later. Yeah. Also then, I think we touched upon it a little now that we're talking about differences driving in planes and mountains, but also differences in cars. We spoke about EVs and how there is this, uh, I think this con- uh, con- concept for people that who drive cars that, oh, EVs are not really cars. You want to hear the machine. You want to hear how the gears are changing. I want to quote what you have written, (laughs) which you've said. Automotive enthusiasts like myself may scoff at soulless, soundless EVs, but there's no doubt that they are the future. So, Mm. yeah, we were really, uh, like, interested to know. So, yes. Um, When EVs first came, I think all of us as automotive journalists scoffed at them. Um, I think we kind of said... I mean, it's all going to be the same, right? Electric motors just churning. There's no, there's no emotion yeah. in a car. But very recently, I was at an experience where I got to test back-to-back four or five EVs together. And I have to say, they are still differentiated. Uh, you can still do so much. Um, after having driven some crazy fast EVs like the Pininfarina Batista, I can say <laughs> they still evoke emotion. So I've had to change my words uh, and take back a lot of what I said initially. I think they can evoke emotion. It's just that we have to get used to a different way of life and the different way that they evoke emotion in. Um, EVs are going to be more about speed, the flat out speeds that they can achieve and um, the way the cars handle. I think dynamics will become far more important because that, that will be a differentiator. Um, whereas in these cars, you know, the sound, the drama, changing gears, <laughs> yeah. all of that was part of the experience, <laughs> yeah. which I still thoroughly enjoy, let me tell you. For me, that will still remain it. But um, I think, yeah, it's, you know, how we evolve and how we got used to mobile phones now. Mm, we can't yeah. live without them. So, you know, who would have imagined that 
at the first when they first came, everybody said distraction is that who wants someone in your ear all the time? Now today we can't do without our phones. Everything's on them. It's gone to smart watches, which I still think is completely crazy. I mean, like the phone is enough of a distraction. Why would I want someone on my watch that message pinging up like every five minutes? Komal you know, this is way at least obsessed with smart watches. But, but I have no notifications. It's just for tracking. Yeah, but this way at least I can say I left it my phone somewhere. I didn't have it with me. Yeah. Sorry, you know. Yeah. But you can't get away from this. So it's. how we get used to things i think why do you think evs are being advertised so towards women like they are really focusing it i think from whatever we have seen towards like okay because the men want that emotion <laughs> they want the drama they want the sound yeah. <laughs> so um they're not buying this completely so we they need the women to convince the men i think <laughs> No but I think uh, at the moment while it's still nascent and it's the it's the smaller end of the population that are still buying cars I think they that's where they're targeting it because it can be the second car in a home which is mm-hmm. used to run about in the city and stuff like that which is why they I think are targeting women um still buying it as a primary car people are still worried with range Hesitant. anxiety mm-hmm. um long distance travel people are still worried about it especially in our country so I think probably that's why this is the target audience as a number i think that's going to change yeah, yeah i feel like once the infrastructure also like you said for long distance traveling there are yeah. those ev charging stations yeah. etc maybe it'll become more popular with the remaining of the yeah but i'm not <laughs> so convinced on this ev is the future <laughs> because even if you see globally they've rolled back a lot of countries yeah. have rolled back their deadlines to say no more ice and they've kind of admitted that okay we'll have hybrids and we'll allow yeah. hybrids sure there are different ways to reduce emissions and i i don't think only ev is the solution especially in a country like ours where electricity isn't cleanly generated exactly. so the whole argument about it becoming a cleaner is it's a very twisted argument yeah and yeah. and it's not only at the source it's what about the batteries what about exactly. their disposal so there's a lot of arguments in that that need to be cleaned and that need to be sorted out people are working on it and yes it's one of the ways to the future yeah. but i don't think only. as advertised it's the only yeah. future yeah. no fair. i think in the us especially so again with work we were doing a lot of research for tata motors and you know we had to cuz it's so new right like right now they have 90% market share they know it's going to go down and so we were reading cuz i think us there was there's a lot of conversation as usual about everything <laughs> uh and it, they were very like uh, doubling down on it in terms of state policy and stuff and like you said now they've taken it back a understanding the entire ecosystem of it like where are the batteries produced where are they getting disposed, disposed. also that hybrid sort of makes you know more sense and the safety aspect as well where luckily i think in india we've not had that many cases yeah. but i do feel the minute there's one there's again going to be because we're so risk averse as yeah. people and you see that in the two wheelers there's been a lot of the two wheeler thing so you know people will go with the safer brands and yeah. things like that i think that there is going to be a rollback i think globally especially with this war and mm. you know people have realized um a lot of dependencies in yeah. certain focused regions of the world covid has you know also kind of made people realize that so i think people have started thinking uh, differently across the world with all the things you know all the geopolitical things that have happened across the world it's kind of made uh, single minded you know right. vision open out to be a little bit more uh, wider and more accepting of of different kind of things and i think it's i just think it's wrong to bank on any one thing one ever thing. Mm-hmm. 
I would never put all my eggs into one basket. Yeah. yeah. I would always you know Diverse I would want to and I, and I think why not if you can come up with a better solution who knows it may be the better one you know. Yeah. Yeah just because we have said that this is the future doesn't mean that we have it to, has to be it has yeah. to be. But you know oh, the process for automotive development is so long and mm-hmm. tedious it's hard for companies to have Completely. their focus in very different directions yeah. it's expensive for them to and do also that. like do all that research and then exactly. take it and back exactly and that expense then comes back to the consumer which then won't sell their product so it's it's a chicken and egg story it's difficult um what what the automotive industry really really needs to succeed is stability of policy wherever they mm-hmm. are mm-hmm. you know that's that's key yeah. for the automotive industry because when things change and are so dynamic and they have to keep changing it's tough on them yeah and i think there's a lot happening i mean there's a lot of um, subsidy from the government right now right with taken fame. away fame taken exactly. away exactly so it th- that's what even i was confused about because initially it said that it was you know there was a big push and so a lot of companies i think like an ola or like you know eight of the newer ones went doubly into production and then some of it was also taken so there's a lot of chaos uh-huh. yeah and june we've at autocar professional we've just done an article on how in june you've seen that the taking away of the fame subsidy has killed the sales of the two wheeler market yeah. killed literally yeah. killed so it's come down by half i think so it's you can see the difference that it's making yeah yeah also now we are seeing drive to survive i think there's a new Oh, energy energy infused. infused in the youth of our country for like F1 and yeah. I know so many of our friends are so obsessed with it me it's, included <laughs> it's garnered so, so much, much more a, female fan following 100% after drive to yeah. survive yeah i mean i so i didn't follow and i i did see the show and now i watch like all the and that's with a lot of people i think so help said there are so many cute looking cute of 100% goes without saying yeah. uh, but and also like our country spe- uh, specifically i think we're like one of the largest viewers of f1 now after yeah. drive so 100%. like like la- i think in the last two years the amount of people and conversation you go anywhere it's about f1 what were your thoughts on how it's again just catapulted i think the americans are very smart marketing people yeah. and when they took over the f1 franchise you knew that they the were going to infuse a new wind into it it they've changed the way the racing is done maybe yeah. some of the old racing enthusiasts not ex- entirely excited about it but honestly they've they've brought back the fan following yeah and absolutely a very different fan following into the motorsport <clears throat> again and i think that's what any sport is about it's not only about the two people or the three people that are involved or the 20 people that are involved yeah. in that sport it's about the fan following and the community the community that it generates and that's why motorsport really indian motorsport hasn't taken off because it's never really had a massive fan following yeah um it's an expensive sport it's looked at as being a rich person sport mm-hmm. so it's not kind of it's not cricket which any boy can play in a gully mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so um it's tough cricket and football are much easier for anybody to catch Accessible. on and play yeah. so it becomes then you want to watch yeah motor sport has always been tough it's still tough to break into and i think um, it's changing slowly Do you think like this whole F1 craze that has started is going to like in, get God. more people to I get mean, into like the Mahindra sport? I mean like Mahindra is going to It does and the the two young boys Arman and uh, Jehan have started the uh, the racing league yeah. I think that will help because it kind of gets more people it gets it's access, you know more people have access to getting into a car and driving yeah. and enjoying it then then the community around them starts watching and enjoying yeah. it and stuff like that Formula E came to India yeah. for the first time so I think it's changing 
um it's nice to see motorsports finally you know have a light moving, really, the light yeah. in this country i it's I think one of the toughest thing is to get sponsorship for motorsport. Yeah. I I remember describing this as being a bikari with a katori, you know. I wherever we went it was like please they do yeah. like, whoever like our friends, family, friends, family friends, yeah. friends, you know yeah. like please yeah we just want to do this one rally. We used to drive our cars down. We used to drive them back because we just didn't have money to do anything right. else and you know you literally had f- money for fuel to drive Get, down do the rally and come, come back, back and then you couldn't even do extra testing and stuff like that so that's changing um and it did change during our times as well when jk and mrf came to motorsport mm-hmm. they really infused, infused yeah. a lot of money and it saw new talent emerge as well at, even at that point of time so there are uh, volkswagen has done a lot for motorsport in the country they've had a racing series so it's changing a lot a lot of it is changing do you have a favorite driver or team <laughs> Mercedes. Oh, a lot of it is because of Toto Wolff. Yeah, oh, I don't even follow it that much, and when I see his face, I'm just like yeah, the energy. The energy is another power. Uh, oh, I just adore him. Um, I I've been a Lewis Hamilton fan. Uh, oh. For a very long time, a lot of people are not going to be very happy about that. <laughs> I'm not a Verstappen fan. I just don't like him at all. I think he's arrogant. Can I we, think he's uh, yeah, a baby when he can't win a race. Are there any like Indian motors, uh, Indian racers that we might not have heard about, but you would Jehan Daruwala? Which um, I, yeah, I mean, I think you kind of everybody's yeah. heard about him. Oh God, there are tons of really, really talented people. but motorsport is not like i said again not in our country looked at as a sport. sport therefore your parents and i see a lot of girls tell me that my father won't even believe me i want to do karting and i want to do racing because lewis hamilton's probably been in a kart since he was 4 or 5 exactly mm-hmm. um Actually, so has verstappen yeah. so has and each other since. so you know when you say the guy is talented there's a lot yes he's talented and you do have to have that inherent driving talent because you can put you know someone else in his car and he won't do as well and that's been seen but even narain kartikian phenomenal driver phenomenal but just didn't have enough money to support his own career mm-hmm. it's because in our country it's not seen as and and by the time he got the money yeah. to get into formula 1 and stuff like that you know it's you're outpaced sometimes by these drivers that have their entire life, life is doing just this that, yeah. Yeah. you know Absolutely, all of them right now on the track. It's like Charles and Max have raced together. Like since they're yeah, absolutely, absolutely five to six years, and they're picked up by teams like Red Bull and Mercedes yeah. in their formative groomed. years, and so then, then they're groomed. growing with yeah. them. You yeah. know, so it's it's a very very different world. There is no grooming here. You kind of you know get into a car, you drive, you, you learn on your own. Yeah. There's like no you know facilities, facilities sort of or training it. or testing or anything. Yeah, I think with people who don't know the sport a lot, there's always a conversation: is this is it about the car or is it about the driver? So like, what do oh, you both? <laughs> it takes so you'd see it. I mean. A first everybody has a different driving style so you have yeah. to realize it's about the driver being able to instruct the engineers on how he needs the car, car to, to be, be for his driving style and that's a huge part of F1 mm-hmm. I think someone who can do that successfully has been Max, Max Vesta, yeah. Verstappen uh, Lewis Hamilton mm-hmm. so uh, see I'm not afraid to give credit <laughs> but I just still don't like the guy but um 
you need you need to be able to know enough about the engineering the mechanics of a car to be able to say hey i need this to understeer here i need to oversteer i mm-hmm. need more balanced back front whatever you know mm. i'm i'm putting it in simpler terms but there's a lot more that goes, goes into, into this it. and that's one of the things my dad insisted i do when i started racing and i actually started working with him he would make me do the camber caster of the wheels right. and tires of the car with myself sitting with the mechanic so that i would understand how the car was behaving in every situation and understand how it feels when you're actually driving it. exactly and i got so spoiled by that and, and and i got into a race car i remember once after driving my dad's race cars i got into a someone else's race car At one point they said hey you want to drive my car for this race and i and i spun out and smashed the car on the first corner oh. because i was just so used to the handling of of that the car. other car yeah. and i came out of the straight and put my foot down and went completely <laughs> off you know yeah. so That's why the, the the cars set up very differently for yeah. different people. So it's got a lot to do with the harmony between car and driver. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't give the credit to one or the other. Of course you need I mean you can be a Lewis Hamilton and still be at the back of the field cuz Mercedes <laughs> ain't performing. But, yeah. uh, no, actually cuz like a lot of the drivers when they come back like um they would say oh when the cars undergone changes that I'm still getting to grips with it. It's not it's not me or it's not the car but like I need to understand how I can utilize it, you know, in the best so way. So when yeah, so when rules change and things change and you've got to get get used to a different way. I mean, you know, when the cars became turbo from naturally aspirated <laughs> engines, that was one big transition then they had DRS and they have right. you know, energy boost and there's so many so many different things. I got a chance uh, to drive the Formula E cars of Mahindra which was also one of the most fantastic experiences I've had and I got to actually drive Gen 1 and Gen 2 right. of the cars and the difference between generation and it was two different driving styles wow. like in Gen 1 I literally had to stand on that brake and I was you know fighting with the steering and yeah. it was a much harder car to drive yeah. and Gen 2 was a much easier, easier car to drive so it also changes you have to adapt your driving style to the car you have to change things and You know, when you're going at 300 kilometers an hour to keep adapting, yeah. it's not so. People just don't realize what the takes. kind of focus, mm-hmm. yeah. the kind of toll that it takes on your body, the kind of energy that you need. You know, yeah. everybody. I get so many mails. I can be an F1 driver. <laughs> I want like you come and sit one round in that car, you and know? then see. Yeah, I mean, actually, it's like someone's even said, "Oh, it's how can you even say it's a sport? It's you know, it's all about like the machine." So I feel you sit in that car. Yeah. I guarantee I guarantee anybody. So we did this program with Michelin called uh, Michelin Pilot Experience and then they put you in a Formula 3 car. Mm-hmm. And it was great fun because we were a bunch of journalists. We were in that Formula 3 car and at the end of it another female experience. <laughs> um there was a French uh, instructor and he came out and he said, "Who was in that last car behind me?" And I said, "Oh, what did I do?" <laughs> so the guy said, "Oh, it was her." And he said, Ah, woman. Interesting. <laughs> so uh, he said then he came up to me and he said you drove really really well. I was surprised. He said I think we can take the limiter off your car in the afternoon. So I was kind of excited. Yeah. Full boost that I'm driving well and I'm you know you you feel like a yeah. hero. And so we did all our rounds in the evening, drove flat out and by then I was like feeling like the queen of England that I've driven so well, everybody's praising me and all. And then they put you in a two-seater car with one of their professional drivers. Right. And I realized what a duck I'd been driving. Like. <laughs> you know, so it kind of takes all the wind out of your sails to like see what you, it takes. damn, there was I thinking I'm going so fast and you know when he went round the track his breaking point 
every the g forces on my neck yeah. like my helmet was because it was a twin seater my helmet was banging into his helmet every time he braked right. because i couldn't hold oh. my neck in place and every time he that, turned i was like this and when i came back i was like oh god yeah <laughs> they could see in videos of them training the just to their neck and That's it's wild the amount of g forces in a race car driver when you are driving at that kind of limit and i think in the last season you've seen a lot of the cars bobbing up yeah. and down like that yeah. and they tell you okay this one you know the Especially aero the on it is not great and it's not poisoning yeah and it's poor poisoning yeah <laughs> and uh, when that happens in a car and for 70 laps you're going your body is taking that beating you yeah. just cannot imagine how hard it is so yeah it's, it's very very physical sport yeah, as well absolutely. though it looks like someone's sitting in a car and sailing <clears> around <throat> a track it's really not like that at all and you if you read about it you read that the drivers lose so many kilos right, every single yes, race right yes i think we've seen those clips clip, yeah. 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 and like also, especially like uh, there was one of lewis and he talking about yeah. how he's started a race and by the time he's done he's, a because of the sweat and two he was like i've lost almost 4 kgs in in just, just those laps yeah, that's yeah, why yeah, it is it is it's very very strenuous and you have to be physically fit. it's also like i know you know like now if i get into a car after so many years and race um before i before i actually went to drive formula e and before i went you know i was doing a race i actually went back to my trainer and and told him like i need to do arm exercises for like i don't know how many days right. because i need to hold that steering wheel yeah. you know it requires that that yeah. much dedication yeah. and work and if like, you don't have it you go off the track because you very often can't do what control you need and then you you will put you know? yourself so, in danger uh, so my point is it it is a very physical sport as well yeah yeah and seeing all we were just discussing before you came only that uh, we see all these twists and turns in movies like fast and furious how realistic do you think they are oh, man <laughs> no no they are a they lot are? of them yeah oh you have to see some people drive can block you know poor guy but <laughs> did you if you've ever seen ken block videos he was a guy that went viral and famous for doing this kind of crazy stuff with his cars yeah. so yeah there are some amazingly talented people and you know when i see like tokyo drift <laughs> and i and i very often i'm going up some theater in that you know and i'm thinking oh god how do those guys drift the car sideways up this whole thing and right. down this whole thing you know so yeah i mean you you, you everybody's done donuts in their car at some point or the <laughs> yeah. other yeah when you when you have a nice open space to do it you just but have, doing yeah. it in a controlled environment like that uh, again f1 drivers when they're driving on a street race you try it on a road mm-hmm. you'll see very often on an expressway when you come to the corner the cars are veering from the left lane <laughs> in the right. because people can't keep to their lane even at 80 kilometers yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah think about it yeah. yeah yeah these guys at 300 kilometers have to stay within the confines of those two lines yeah, yeah? so my point is when you drive like that you have to have that intense crazy amount focus. of focus, focus and control because things are flying flying by you and you do it as an exercise like i've often told friends of mine i said stay within the two lines of that highway on a sharp hmm. bend hmm and see if and you it, can you know they start backing off it's the same thing like when we driving someone asked me how was it to do the 357 i said i think really easy because i've learned to you know like even when you're on banking like so you have the straight and then you have the banking most people when they're on the banking and i uh, that's what one of the guy italian guys that was with me he's saying you're so smooth with the steering 
you're not moving it much because people on the banking are trying to correct because yeah. they're looking immediately ahead of them mm-hmm. and you're seeing the corner so you're trying to control Adjust. the corner oh. yeah. we've learned as a race car driver you look right way ahead. ahead so you're aiming where you want to be not looking at what's directly in mm. front of you and so you'll see them cut through corners straight and stuff because you're aiming you're not looking we, at this yeah. corner left and then that corner right you're looking at straight where well, you want to be I never thought of that yeah so But, it's it's a way of driving that you get used to as a race car driver and um Yeah, it's always better to look ahead, isn't it? Yeah, I was just going to say. I feel like so many things you said there could be which are related to driving. There could be life lessons. Yeah. Like they are. Don't focus on like you focus on your goal. So many people ask me what has you know what does this mean to you? I said it's taught me so many yeah. things in life. Focus, you know mm-hmm. how to pick yourself up when you're down and just go, go. on. Look ahead, you know. Always look at the goal. Yeah. Stop worrying about the shit that's happening on the way. Yeah. You know? yeah. Focus on the goal. Yeah. And there's so many things that you can learn from whatever it is that you're doing, doing. in life. Will teach you its own lessons. You just have to be attuned to listen to them. I spoke to a very interesting lady recently for one of the shows that we were doing. Sonam Kalra, Sufi singer, and she was also telling me the same thing. She's saying that people don't often just stop and listen to themselves to the you know things that happen around them and pick up right we need to stop sometimes and just slow down and listen yeah and be and, and be. then you'll know so much more <laughs> yeah exactly we we usually always ask everybody this question because the the show is called work in progress but i think you've already covered it but we still ask you so how have you or how are you still a work in progress Well, I think this is the first time I'm sharing this very openly. So after 20 years, I've actually decided to quit my role as the editor of Autocar oh. India, uh, and and do things a little differently and change my tack once again. So um, yeah, it's a scoop for you guys. Um, I'm yeah, I'm actually stepping down from that position at the end of July. Um, and uh, I think it's just because I wanted to do things differently once again in my life. um i still will be doing stuff auto uh, yeah. that is very very much the passion but i think the way media is has changed Change. it's evolved <clears throat> um i think i need to take a step back from what i'm doing because i got so used to doing it in a particular way right. mm-hmm. uh, not that that's wrong or right but um i just want to do it a different way you know um yeah, there's like so your own in- way exciting I'm ways you can i'm not a spring chicken i have these many years <laughs> to go out and do whatever i want to do yeah. so uh, yeah this like is the time to take off all those yeah. bucket list things and yeah. you know, just enjoy life a bit and and do it at a much easier pace um, because this is very very intense and and right. and i really don't even get time to think sometimes so um yeah just going to take two steps back for a bit and then recalibrate redesign myself yeah. <laughs> oh i love that love that yeah <laughs> but thank you so much for coming on us this has been such a fun conversation for us and we have learned so much on the way with your life lessons plus with your journey and everything i think you're just a legend legend like, <laughs> thank you so much for having me zwin fun hanging out with you girls yeah i mean i'm just and i'm going to be sharing f1 notes with you also yes <laughs> please although i can see you're a max fan <laughs> i'm a, but see you have to also understand i would consider myself basic in this like <laughs> because i joined very like i have no shame a lot of people have shame saying that oh i started after f uh, after watching Drive the series say, yeah. i have started after watching the series so <laughs> i'm okay with that and like i 
also started when Max was on his rise. Okay. It's like with tennis, I I started watching after Federer, Correct. you know. So yeah. I'm like Nadal. So I'm okay. <laughs> I preface it with this, yeah. but I have some friends who who I can't wait to share these opinions because <laughs> they're gonna be like, oh my god. <laughs> Yeah. But thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Yeah. I hope you had fun. I did. I did. Yeah. That's, yeah. We are done, girls. Yes. Thank you so much.